Church Audio, striving to introduce people to Jesus through scripture, biblical instruction, and prayer with authenticity and vibrancy. You don't need to know anything about the Bible. Just sit back, relax, and let God do the rest. Please consider subscribing to this podcast and leave a rating and review. And please consider supporting this ministry through a tax-deductible donation at mountainview.church. That's mountainview.church slash give. Now here's this week's message. Hello everyone. Welcome to Family Sunday at Mountain View Church. My name is Herbert and I'm the children's director. Maybe you are wondering what is Family Sunday? Well, every month that has a fifth Sunday, we give all our children's volunteers a day of rest. Then we invite the kids to join the adults for a special family gathering. On Family Sunday, we gather together as a one big family. If you have never filled out a Connect card before, visit mountainview.church connect if you are watching online. If you are in-house, fill out one of the printed Connect cards found under the seat in front of you then hand it in to the welcome desk. Please consider supporting Mountain View Church financially by making a tax-deductible donation at mountainview.church give. For those gathering with us physically, there are donation envelopes under the seat in front of you and a donation box at the back of the auditorium. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great week. Hey, junior youth. I hope you guys had a wonderful week. Hope you guys are being good for your parents. If you're not, I'll know because they tell me and I'll be hard on you probably or something like that. So be good. Um, this week, we're going to try a couple new things that we haven't done before. We're going to blow up a few hundred balloons and see who can make the tallest tower. Prizes included. We're going to break off into teams and that'll be kind of cool. Play some high five and seek. If you don't know what that is, you'll have to show up and see. And then we're going to get to a lesson and uh, I'll actually be talking about something that's pretty easy for me to talk about, which is what it's like being different. Because let's face it, guys, I'm kind of weird. I'm kind of a weird dude. Probably still pretty cool, but definitely weird. I know what it's like to be different. And maybe you guys are dealing with that too. You're looking at yourselves and you're like, well, you just feel different than you were last year. But what I can tell you is that there's actually something really hopeful in the Bible about being different. It turns out God's plan for us is to change. He wants us to be different than the world around us, but on top of that, he wants us to be different next year than we, than we are right now. And that's kind of a cool thing. So we're gonna unpack that a little bit when we meet this week. Hope to see you there. Hello, ladies. My name is Rachel, and I would love to invite you to a time of Bible study, fellowship, and refreshments with our evening women's group. We meet right here at the church every Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Of course, if this doesn't fit in your schedule, we also have a few different community groups that run throughout the week. You can check them out on our website at mountainview.church forward slash groups or text the number on your screen. And of course, feel free to email Aaron directly at Aaron at mountainview.church. Thank you. God's story, generosity. So part of God's story is about how he wants us to be generous. And it goes like this. Being generous means sharing what you have. It's something God has always asked his followers to do. Remember how God built a special family called the Israelites? 
They were his very first followers. He taught them what to do by giving them laws, like giving 10% of everything they had back to God. That's called tithing. God even said to test him. If they obeyed and were generous with what he gave them, he would give them exactly what they needed. See, God is generous, and he wants us to be like him. He sent his greatest treasure, his son Jesus, to earth. Jesus left the kingdom of heaven and gave up his life to rescue us so that one day we can be a part of God's kingdom and live in it with him forever. Basically, Jesus gave up everything for us. Anyway, when Jesus was here, he showed us even more about being generous. In fact, Jesus said we can not only give a tithe, but we can give way more than that. We can give thirsty people water and hungry people food. We can visit people who are lonely and pray for people who are hurting. He did that all the time. He said when we do that, it's like we're giving to him. Jesus actually told us when we're generous, we show him we love him. He said, your heart will always be where your treasure is. That's a fancy way of saying you spend your money on what you care about. In the Bible, one day, a rich guy came up to Jesus and asked what he could do to live forever in God's kingdom. Jesus said, go and sell everything you have. Give the money to those who are poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Jesus wants us to follow him with our whole hearts and care about him more than anything. Unfortunately, the man went away sad because he couldn't put his treasure in heaven. He loved the stuff he had on earth too much. Another time, Jesus watched people give offerings at the temple. One woman only put in a few small coins, but Jesus told his disciples, that poor widow has put more into the offering box than all the others. They all gave a lot because they are rich, but she gave even though she is poor. She put in everything she had. That was all she had to live on. The widow gave everything to Jesus, just like Jesus gave everything to us. Like the rich guy and the poor widow, all of us have different ways we can give. The Bible actually says we should give what we want. After all, God loves a cheerful giver. When we share joyfully with others, we're showing love to God. Our generosity shows Jesus how much we love him, just like his generosity shows how much he loves us. And that's the story of generosity. So in case you missed it, here's the quick version. God asks us to be generous. He wants us to be like him. God sent Jesus to us. Jesus gave up his life. Jesus showed us how to give. We give to things we care about. The rich guy cared about his stuff. The poor woman cared about Jesus. Jesus cares about us. We can love Jesus back by being generous. And that's a part of God's story. Hello, my name is Cormac, and I'm going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 9. Here is something to remember. The one who plants only a little will gather only a little, and the one who plants a lot will gather a lot. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You shouldn't give if you don't want to. You shouldn't give because you are forced to. God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to shower all kinds of blessings on you. So in all things and at all times, you will have everything you need. You will do more and more good works. It is written, they have spread their gifts around to the poor people. Their good works continue forever. January's coming to a close and all the bills from December have rolled in. For any kids who are watching, you may have heard your parents talking about money more than usual. And these discussions may have sounded a little tense. This is because your parents have been calculating the money they spent over the holidays. All of the Christmas gifts and parties and trips have now become expensive memories for mom and dad. So, January is often a time when adults make decisions to stop spending and start saving more money. Now, to the adults who are watching. This might be resonating with you, but we have a problem. Although saving more money sounds virtuous, it all depends on how we plan on using all those savings. What's the plan for all that cash? Are we resisting the impulse to spend on ourselves now just so we can spend more on ourselves later? Is that still a virtuous decision? These questions might ruffle a few feathers, but I'm simply highlighting that spending on yourself or saving for yourself is still self-focused. What if there was a better way to look at saving money? Today, we're going to put a twist on our New Year's savings plan by starting with a plan to help more people. You're going to be challenged to make long-term plans to help others before we help ourselves. This year, we can make a plan to save more money to help more people. This is a selfless plan, making a decision to financially enter into the new year with less me. To help us understand this concept of saving more money to help more people, we're going to learn from a great church leader and follower of Jesus named the Apostle Paul. If you have a Bible, you're going to want to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And since it's Family Sunday and the kids are with us, we're going to be using a children's Bible. Uh, the children's Bible is the NIRV version, which is the New International Reader's Version. If you don't have a Bible, you can go to Bible.com. If you have a mobile device, you can download a Bible app and then just put in NIRV as the translation. Uh, you can text Bible to the number on the screen and we'll send you one. Or if you're in-house, you can find a Bible under the seat in front of you. Now, if you're unsure how to find today's passage and you have a physical Bible like I do, uh, just open to the front to the table of contents and look for 2 Corinthians in the New Testament. It's going to give you a page number. Then once you get there, you'll be able to look for the chapter number, which is chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, if you are using a Bible app, make sure that you first select NIRV, so you have the right translation, then type 2 Corinthians 9 into the search field, and you'll get right there. So, after you get to chapter 9, scroll down to verse 7. Scroll down to verse 7. Now, let's read this together. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You shouldn't give if you don't want to. You shouldn't give because you're forced to. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, I want to talk to the kids for a second. I want you to imagine your parents saying, come on, kids, we're going out to dinner tonight. And you're immediately excited. You get to your table and the server comes to take your order and your parents pick out what they want from the menu. And then the server replies, anything else? And your parents say, no, thank you. You immediately ask, wait a second, what about us? They reply, you'll get some food, don't worry. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? So they get their meals and you ask again, hey, where's our food? And they say, you'll get it, don't worry. Another 10 minutes passes and you look at dad and he's leaned back and he says, oh, I'm full. And, and mom says, I'm full too. And you see that they have leftovers on their plate and then that's when they pass the leftovers over to you and say, here kids, here's your meal. How do you feel at that moment? You feel terrible, right? But why? You see, your parents are just trying to save money, aren't they? And they made a plan before they left the house deciding to give you their leftovers. And they've actually decided that this is going to be the restaurant plan for this entire year. To save money, they'll give you their leftovers every time you visit a restaurant instead of buying you your own meal. Isn't this a good thing? Isn't this an example of what Paul meant in this Bible verse we just read? After all, they wanted to give you their leftovers, and they didn't feel forced to give them to you, and they were even cheerful as they passed them over to you. Surely that's what God wanted them to do, right? This is a little hard to process, isn't it? You're wondering, if my parents save money and I get to eat restaurant food, why doesn't it feel right to get their leftovers? It doesn't feel right because they're leftovers. Planning to give leftovers isn't really a plan to give. Planning to give leftovers isn't really a plan to give. Now, let's look at that verse one more time, but I want to bring parents back into the conversation. Here we go. Let's read it again. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You shouldn't give if you don't want to. You shouldn't give because you are forced to. God loves a cheerful giver. It's not a mistake that God led Paul to add the words heart after decided. God wants us to give what we've decided in our hearts. A decision of the heart is a deeper decision. It's a planned decision, one that we place our thoughts and feelings into. Now, don't get me wrong. A last-minute decision to help someone in need is a great thing. And there's times when God might move inside our hearts to give a last-minute gift or even a leftover gift of money or food to someone in need. These are good things, but... Saving last-minute leftovers isn't the best decision that our hearts could make when it comes to helping others. This year, if we want to help more people, our heart decisions should resemble careful plans and commitments to save and give through our church or local charities, or it could be a decision to care for someone specific 
who we know is going to have a very difficult year. See, these are decisions of the heart where we save more money to help more people. How does this work? Well, let's come back to the restaurant example. You see, for the same amount of money as two adult dinners at a restaurant, you could invite someone over to your home who doesn't have a family or someone who's in need. And everyone would get their own meal, including your kids, and you'd likely have leftovers the next day. You see, this is a heart decision where we creatively help more people while saving money. We make a commitment like this every two weeks or once a month this year, it'll transform the year. <laughs> By the time Christmas rolls around again, you'll have blessed so many people and saved a little cash in the process. We place a higher priority on helping people instead of saving money because God gave us so much. In another part of the Bible written by a church leader named Mark, it says that Jesus came to give his life as the price for setting many people free. You were never a last minute or leftover decision to God. He made a decision of the heart long ago for you and for me. Even though we didn't deserve it and we could never earn it, God gave his one and only son Jesus to pay the greatest price to set us free. Jesus took the punishment for our sins, which are the wrong things that we've done, by dying on a cross. He died for our sin and was buried. Thankfully, God's plan was a miracle plan. Jesus rose from the dead three days later and went to heaven to prepare an eternal home for all of those who would believe in him and believe that God raised him from the dead. I can't tell you this enough. You are not a last minute decision. You are not a last minute thought to Jesus. You're not a leftover decision or a leftover thought to Jesus. He loves you and he wants you to make a decision to believe in him, place your trust in him and follow him. If you would like to do that today, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, start a new life with him, you can pray with me. You can be forgiven of your sin and receive God's Holy Spirit. You can pray with me in your own words, whatever you're comfortable with. Let's pray now. Dear Father, we know that we're sinners. We do wrong things, we think wrong things, and we're often selfish. We think of ourselves first. Thank you for loving us and thinking of us and deciding to send your son Jesus to take the punishment for our sin. Today we choose to believe in Jesus, believe that he died on the cross for our sin, and believe that he rose again three days later, and that he's gone to heaven to prepare a place for us. Today we make a decision to follow him, the example you gave for us. We choose to believe in Jesus. Now we're gonna move to communion. If you'd like to pause the video here and get some bread and juice, you can go ahead and do that. We'll come back, I'll explain communion, and then we'll take it together. Communion is something that we do as a church. Uh, it's for those who have given their life to Jesus, placed their trust in him. It's something that Jesus started with his first disciples and that has carried on for 2,000 years. 
It's a time where we have bread or crackers and we remember his body uh, that was punished for us, put on the cross, and the blood that was shed on the cross. Uh, it's hard to fully understand, and if you're, uh, if you're a child, if you're young, feel free to ask your parents or guardians on a, kind of a deeper meaning to that. Uh, but if you have given your life to Jesus and you understand what we're doing here, you can go ahead, if your parent or guardian is good with it, you can go ahead and, and take communion with us. So we're going to go to Matthew 26, the, the Gospel of Matthew, Book of Matthew, and chapter 26. And uh, we're going to read the communion passage there where it tells us what happened at that very first communion time with the, with the original 12 disciples. It's a pretty special passage. Uh, but before we do that, I'm going to pray for the bread. I'll read the bread passage. We'll take the bread. I'll pray for the cup. We'll, I'll read the cup passage, and then we'll take uh, a drink from the juice. Okay, so that's the process of how we're going to do things. And so with that in mind, let's start by thanking God for the bread, which represents Jesus' body. Dear Father, we pause now to remember what happened at the cross for us. We thank you for the bread that symbolizes the body of your son, Jesus, who was broken, whipped, beaten, and nailed to a cross. A terrible thing for us to think about, a gruesome thing for us to really comprehend, but an important thing for us to know and believe that he was a perfect sacrifice, fully God, fully man, and he died for us. Jesus, we take this bread in symbolizing your body, and we remember you, and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Matthew 26, verse 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks and broke it. He handed it to his disciples and said, Take this and eat it. This is my body. Now let's pray for the cup. Dear Father, we thank you for this cup and, and the, the grape juice that's in it. The dark red color reminds us of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. From his, from his head with the thorns, from his hands and feet with the nails, and his side from the spear. The blood shed as part of the sacrifice that you had set in place. Before then, many animals had been sacrificed, but there had never been a perfect sacrifice. Only you could offer this in your son, Jesus. We take this cup in remembrance of that. Jesus, we thank you for willingly going to the cross for us and willingly shedding your blood for us. We take this seriously and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Then he took a cup. He gave thanks and handed it to them. He said, all of you drink from it. This is my blood of the covenant. It is poured out for the forgiveness of sins of many people. Here is what I tell you. From now on, I won't drink wine with you again until the day I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom.
Thank you, Father, for this time of communion. May we remember it this week. May we remember your sacrifice, Jesus, and be thankful. May you continue to lead us through the power of your Spirit. Guide us as we make decisions moving forward in this year, trying to make this year a selfless year. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we are moving to our discussion questions um, and a time of prayer for you and your family, your household, roommates, whoever you're living with. Uh, Let's get started. So question one is, how did your family or household waste money last year? How did you, your family, your household waste money last year? And then the second question starts with a bit of prayer. Pray and ask God, how should you, your family, or your household help more people this year? Pray and ask God, how should your family or household help more people this year? Once you've had that time of prayer and reflection, we're going to move into an action item. Schedule a monthly event or activity to help the people God has given your family or household. Schedule a monthly event or activity where you help the people that God has placed on your heart and mind for your family and your household. All right, so hopefully this is a great time for you and your family to make a plan for this year. And today we've actually come to the end of our selfless series. It's been a a great journey. Feel free to go back and listen to messages on YouTube, Facebook, um, our website, any of those places. Uh, Starting next week, we're starting a new series that actually our pastoral apprentices, Aaron and Elijah, are going to lead. It is a series on the Trinity. If you have ever wondered, what is the Trinity? How does God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, how do they work together? How, how does this whole thing work? It's mysterious, but it's amazing. And if you want to find out all about it, you're not going to want to miss the next four weeks through February where we do a series on the Trinity. It's going to be amazing. Bring a friend, bring a family member, bring a neighbor. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. So until then... Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Mountain View Church Audio. If you've given your life to Jesus today or would like to join, serve, or support Mountain View Church, please let us know at mountainview.church slash connect. That's mountainview.church slash connect. Have a blessed week.